Thank you for joining me today. My name is James Briscoe. I'm an ordained Baptist minister for the past 27 years. In these latter days, God has also called me to be one of his prophets. Prophets came when the religious leaders failed to call out sin and call out the sinners and do their job. They, come, they came to warn them that if they didn't do any better and the people didn't start being more obedient, with God, that God would move a heavy hand of judgment against them. So I'm calling them out today and telling you religious leaders, God's going to move and he's already moved with that COVID-19, a heavy hand of judgment against you. Our purpose is to reach the remnant. The remnant are the elect, those who will go in the rapture with the church, the true spiritual church. They'll be a part of it. And I'm calling them out and telling them to get ready. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being here with me today, for helping me get to this podcast. Strengthen me and guide me and watch after me, and I'll be with you forever and evermore. Speak through me, and someone will hear what you want them to say, thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. My subject today is why study Bible prophecy? Why study Bible prophecy? This question is often asked by those who are Christians, but with very little knowledge of the subject. Bible prophecy has been terribly abused by some and ignored by most. And that is the real shame because the study of it will motivate holiness and evangelism. It also builds hope, something that is desperately needed in the dark world in which we live today. Dr. Aaron Rodgers once said, the world, I'm quoting him, the world is growing darker and darker each day, end of quote. There is no way that anyone can understand this very insightful statement without the knowledge of Bible prophecy. So why study it? Because most of you people out there and you Christians know very little about prophecy and you have ignored it purposely and you have lost a real important part of scripture that can help you through these troubling times. Let's move on. Therefore, Bible prophecy is an essential part of God's word. That's where I was headed. It's an essential part of God's word. One-fourth of the Bible is prophecy. I will quote 2 Peter, first chapter, verse, the first chapter and the 19th verse. Peter said this, and I know I'm quoting him right now. So we have seen and proved that what the prophet said comes true. He's continuing to write. You will do well to pay, to pay close attention to everything they have written. For light, light shining into a dark corner, their words help us to understand many things that otherwise would be dark and difficult for us to understand. So Peter hits it right on the nail. When we study Bible prophecy, we learn what God has revealed to the prophets, and we learn from that, and it helps us to understand the things that are going on today, like light shining in a dark corner and we can see what's going on today and understand it even better because we know Bible prophecy. We're moving on. 
the definition of Bible prophecies. I got four different real brief definitions, and then I'll try and summarize them and put them together after I read them to you. The definition of Bible prophecy is the Holy Spirit, it is, it is the Holy Spirit utterance regarding the future. The Holy Spirit's utterance regarding the future. Next, Bible prophecy is history written in advance. I love that one. Next, God's Spirit foretelling of God's will. And last, the application of God's word to the sins of society. You hear that? So it's plain and simple. The Holy Spirit speaks to men and he tells them of the future. And I like this, and many people don't want to accept it. Bible prophecy is history written in advance. I like that. And the Spirit foretells us of God's will. And if we apply Bible prophecy, we'll understand the simple world that we're living in today and where it's headed to. Let's move on. Our reasons to study Bible prophecy. We've been heading that direction, and that's what we're going to do right here. I'm going to give you nine reasons why we study Bible prophecy, and then I'll reveal them at the end also. Our first reason why we study Bible prophecy is we worship a God of prophecy, a God of prophecy. God is saying that he is the one and only true God, that's what he says, and that he can prove it because he has the wisdom to know the future, the audacity to proclaim it, and the power to see to it that what he declares comes true and comes to pass. Why we study, we worship a God of prophecy. And he is the only one who has the wisdom, the audacity, and the power to see what he has said many times, thousands of years ahead of time, or sometimes it's just a week ahead of time. What he has said, he is the power and audacity and the wisdom to make it come true. That's what God has said. I go back to the definition, is history written in advance. Our second reason for studying Bible prophecy is this. Fulfilled prophecy assures us of God's sovereignty. Sovereignty means his supreme power. Fulfilled prophecy assures us of God's supreme power. When we see Bible prophecy fulfilled, we can be assured that God is on his throne and is in full control of history. We can be confident that the wisdom and the power that God has, he can orchestrate, he can direct that all things that that are evil of mankind and Satan, and he can make it where Jesus can triumph over the evil, wicked, sinful men at the end. So he has the power to see that it happens. He has the audacity, uh, audacity to proclaim it, and he has the wisdom to know what he is proclaiming to us. Our third reason to study Bible prophecy is this. Fulfilled prophecy validates the Bible as the word of God. You understand that? Fulfilled 
That's prophecies that have already been fulfilled. They validate the Bible as the word of God. The Bible is the only book in the world, you understand that? That contains fulfilled prophecies, only book. There are none in the Muslims book, the Quran. There are none in the Hindus book, the Vedas. And there are none in the pseudo, the pseudo, the Christian denomination, the Book of Mormons. He said that Independence, Missouri would soon be the New Jerusalem. Just one of the silly things that you find in that book. There are hundreds of Bible prophecies concerning persons, cities, nations, and empires which have already been fulfilled. You understand? The nation, the Hittite nations. Can you find them? They've already been fulfilled. They've been destroyed long ago. And there are people that God destroyed long ago too. So the Bible fulfills pro prophecy, validates the Bible as God's word. Many of the things that have been fulfilled and many of the things. I'll give you one for another fulfilled prophecy. Jesus prophesied it. He says that he would, die, he would be killed by the Jews, and they did. The Romans did it, but the Jews were responsible. He'd be killed. He says, if you kill this body, or he said to them, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. Fulfilled prophecy. Three days later, Jesus came walking out the grave. The Holy Spirit moved the big stone. The angel moved it. And Jesus came on the power of the Holy Spirit, raised him from the dead. He was dead and he was alive. And I tell you about the 15th chapter of Romans when Paul said over 500 people saw Jesus up in Galilee after he rose from the dead. He stayed on earth for about 40 days. They said about the 15th day, the people up there had heard about it, and they were having a great hallelujah session that Jesus had risen from the dead. All of those people, many of those people saw Jesus face to face, talked with them about their personal problems. They knew Jesus. He healed many of them. And when he, they were meeting and rejoicing and went right within their midst, Jesus appeared. And all 500 of them, he spoke to them, he taught them why the, Bible, why the Bible prophecies had to be fulfilled. And he even ate some fish and bread from to let me know, I'm not a spirit, I'm a human being. And then as he was praying for them, he then disappeared. So Bible prophecy validates the Bible as the word of God. I'm going to move on to another one. Fulfilled. fulfilled Prophecy and the other one was fulfilled also. Fulfilled prophecy attests to the supernatural origins of the Bible. That means that fulfilled prophecy attests to the divine origins of the Bible. It comes from God. Unbelievers, secular Christians, and I call them the phony Christians and the humanistic Christians, argue that the Bible is man's search for God. That's what they argue. The Bible is man's search for God. However, that's not true. That's a lie. The Bible is fulfilled prophecies that prove that God's revelations to man 
had will come true. So fulfilled prophecy proves the Bible is God's revelation to man. It's God revealing himself to man and fulfilled prophecies help him to do that. I'm going to give you two prophecies that have been fulfilled and they come out of the Old Testament and they come out way in the book of Genesis. The first happened about five, about uh, 6,000 years ago, right after uh, he was kicked out of the garden, Adam was kicked out of the garden. This is Noah's flood. We know about Noah's flood, that God gave mankind, became more and more sinful and turned against him. And he walked among them and God grieved. He says, I'm sorry that I created mankind. And he told Noah, I'm going to destroy them all. And he, he knew that Noah was a righteous man going around preaching and telling the people to get their lives together and they refused to. So God told Noah, uh, you, he gave him the blueprint for the ark. That's a big old boat. But Noah didn't know anything about boats, but he, he thought he was building a house. But he built that boat. And then God made it rain for 40 days. And he, in the ocean, he pushed the ocean uh, floor up. And then he had all of those water springs that are in the ocean start flooding. And it flooded the whole earth. And the highest mountain, there was over three miles of water over that highest mountain. Now, here's the, here's the thing that, about the flood. Many people have gone to the mountains that were created after the flood. And the Mount Everest is in the Himalaya mountains. And people have gone up there and guess what they have found to prove that God flooded and destroyed the earth. They found the teeth of sharks in rocks molded and encased and cemented in rocks. They found those. Many archeologists have found it. They also found the seashells that come out of the ocean up on the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, 28,000 feet. And they found other artifacts that come out of the ocean and even ocean rocks. So in my grandmother's time, it, it came out, the news came out what they had found. That was 1904. And it validated all those lies they had told that the flood, the world was never flooded. It validated on the top of Mount Everest, you got artifacts that come out of the sea. So the world was flooded. The second one is about the Red Sea. Remember when Moses took the Jews out and Pharaoh was angry with him and promised him he had let them go. But then he changed his mind after 10 plagues almost destroyed Egypt. And then he sent his army out to destroy them. And the Jews were about 2 million of them, and they were marching through the wilderness, and they got to the Red Sea. That's a strip of, of, of water that's about some places 20 miles wide, but it goes from the Mediterranean Sea to the Indian Ocean. When they got there, they knew that uh, Pharaoh's people were coming to destroy them. And so while they, were, they felt trapped, the Lord spoke to Moses, and Moses took his rod and his staff and he put it down in the water and the water rolled back, it rolled back in curtains. And then the wind blew for a whole night and then Moses said, cross on dry land. The people started to cross on dry land, uh, two million people. 
Then when they were about two thirds across, the army of the Pharaoh came and they chased, decided Pharaoh told them, you chase after and kill them all while they're down there. And then when the army got fully, completely in the Red Sea, was almost at to catch the Jews who were going up on the bank, the Hebrews, then the waters caved in on them and drowned it all. Now here's the, here's the clincher. About in 1958, around the time when I was going to graduate from high school, their fishermen were fishing in the Red Sea in the area where they think they cross. So many people think they cross. It's about 13 miles wide across from one land to the other. And these fishermen came up with a chariot, partial decayed chariot that had the wheels, it had part of the chariot on it, and it had writing, Egyptian hieroglyphics writing. And they brought the experts in and they said, this chariot is around the time of the pharaohs. This would be around the same time that Moses crossed the Red Sea. So fulfilled prophecy proves that the Bible is a supernatural book with its origins coming from God's word. Let's move to our fourth one. I proved it with those two of fulfilled prophecies. Fifth, prophecy validates Jesus as God in the flesh. An angel from heaven declared to the apostle John that prophecy is a witness of Jesus' divinity, quoting the Bible, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19 and 10. Jesus fulfilled 109 separate and distinct prophecies in his first coming. The odds of anybody doing this by accident is beyond the realm of possibility. Nobody could fulfill 109 prophecies about their birth and about what would happen during their lifetime while on earth. So it proves that it was, that prophecy is validated by the fact that Jesus is the son of God. Let's move to the sixth one. Prophecy can be an effective tool for moral teaching. You understand that? The prophets came to speak to the religious people and said, you tell those people they don't get themselves and get themselves in order with God and become obedient again because they're disobedient. If they keep violating those nine Bible codes in the commandments, so the commandments have nine codes of behavior and each one is a category. And if you read uh, Exodus and then you read Deuteronomy, you'll see the what goes under each one where it says, thou shalt not steal. Then it talks about the kinds of stealing. When it talks about murder, it tells you about the kind of killings that God will not tolerate and the ones that can be forgiven. And so it's a category of the different kinds of sins. Now, it's an excellent tool for helping people to realize you're breaking God's commandments and his laws and his statues when you go out and whore around and chase after whores. You're breaking many of God's commandments and everything when you go and you make an idol of your grandchildren or make an idol of the fact that you have a big uh, bank deposit. So this means that the word of God can be applied to contemporary problems and problems you have even at this time. And the prophets often, and as I said, they denounced idolatry, 
they denounce hypocrisy, and they denounce the sacrificing, the human sacrificing of babies to the idol god Molech. See, when you go follow the death culture, the Democrats, what you're doing is you're supporting a political group that promotes the violations of God's moral commands, the death culture, homosexuality, abortion, and a disbelief that God exists, evolution. Let's move to the seven. Prophecy provides insights concerning the current world events. If you know prophecy, you understand what's going on. Those who know Bible prophecy are not bewildered by the increase in violence and immorality and the never-ending crisis in the Middle East, especially in Jerusalem. And also the raging apostasy in our churches. Our churches are full of apostate, apostate churches, the different denominations. All of these things are clearly prophesied for the end time. These things are told that will be happening in the end time. Consider the crisis in the Middle East. I mentioned that. And then consider the apostate church that exists today. The Christian church is apostate. Apostasy means they have moved away from the basic teachings of God. They don't care anything about the moral commandments or anything. They ordain homosexuals. They go along and support abortion. They go along and support this stupid stuff about transgenders and everything. They are a bunch of people who have taken themselves out of the word of God. Let's move to our last two reasons to study Bible. That was the seventh one. Prophecy provides insights concerning the current world events and problems. The eighth one, prophecy provides hope. I love that. Prophecy provides hope. The Bible prophecy is full of glorious future promises for believers. Yes, it is. An example is the glorious glorified bodies we will get when we are raptured and enter into the kingdom of God. Also, it tells us what is at the last book in the Bible. And it's a book that Satan has read before. It tells that God and Jesus Christ is victorious over sin and Satan and all of his followers. And many of you people who participate and are Democrats, you're going to go right along with Satan into the lake of fire. That's a container that can hold everything. Also, what's thrown into the lake of fire is death. Also, what is thrown in the lake of fire is all of the horrible things that men have done. It has to be thrown into them. In Revelations 20 and 7 through 10, you find out and you learn more about God's victory over Satan. And God is the big winner in the end. And you need to be with him. All of us winners will be with him. That was the eighth one. Prophecy provides hope. Let's move to the ninth one. It tells of the return of Jesus in glory. Isn't that beautiful? That's what prophecy does. It has gloom and doom, but always when they would give the gloom and doom and tell them that they didn't straighten up, God was going to move against them and tell them, well, he's moving against you right now because you don't have any 
crops, the fennel. You don't have pestilence all over. You have everything going on. Grasshoppers are eating up everything. But it's not only gloom and doom. He's tell, telling them to get their lives together. But it also has hope in it. And it tells of the glorious five bodies that we will have when we enter hell. And it tells that God is going to destroy Satan. Daniel saw it when he saw the statue. And he said at the end, he said, what destroyed all of those empires was this rock that was hewed out of the mountain, and not by hand. This rock grew and grew and grew, and then it grounded all of those empires and all those nations into dust, and the dust blew away, and the rock grew until it grew oh, and took over the whole world. That's what the kingdom of God is about. God is going to come back and reclaim this world, and then he's going to have new heaven. He's going to burn up everything, and then he's going to have a new heaven. It's going to come down. A new earth that's going to come, and it's not going to look like the former or have the problems, and that new heaven will not either. And a new Jerusalem, and that's where us people in the church, we're going to be found in that new Jerusalem because we have been raptured, and we are waiting for the end of the millennium, and then we will enter in to the new, the new glorious kingdom of God. Well, we got it. It tells of the return of Jesus. Let's summarize this. If you read prophecy, you are reading the history of this world. Is that right? You said, well, it doesn't say anything about China. Yeah, if you understand what's going on, everything that's in the prophecies generally relates to the Jews. If it doesn't relate to the Jews, it still has a specific prophecy for that nation or that group of people. Well, when you read prophecy and you understand it, you see where China fits in. Because they fit in mainly at the end. You'll see where Russia fits in. Yeah, they fit in at the end. But prophecy is the reading of history of this world. Those who thought the most of the present world, you understand the present world, were just those who thought the most of the next world. It's because we have ceased to think of the other world, heaven, that we have become so ineffective in this world. That's true, the church in particular. If you aim for heaven, you will get the earth thrown in too, and that's a new earth. But if you aim at just this old world and this worldly conditions, then you will get neither. To quote C.S. Lewis, as I did, and I'll repeat what he said earlier, prophecy will provide us with insight concerning current world events. If you have a working knowledge of God's word, you will see the converging, that means the coming together, of the signs Jesus gave during the Mount Olive dissertation, coming together right in your face. And there are many of these signs are happening right in your face. The church, the church, the condition of the church, it's happening right in your face. All these wicked, even things, this homosexual play is happening right in front of your face. And most of you fail to even see it. You just don't want to see what it is. You stick your head in the earth, in the dirt, just like the ostrich does to hide from reality. So you will see the converging signs Jesus gave during the Mount Olive dissertation. 
coming together right in your face, as I said, and you will know you are in the season. We don't know the time or the date in the season leading up to the latter days. The reason we study prophecies, I'm going to go through them quickly. First, we worship a God of prophecy. Second, fulfilled prophecy assures us of God's sovereignty. Third, prophecy, fulfilled prophecy attests to the supernatural origins of the Bible. Fifth, prophecy validates Jesus as Jesus as God in the flesh. Six, prophecy can be an effective tool for moral teaching. Seven, prophecy provides insight concerning world events. Eight, prophecy provides hope. And nine, prophecy tells of the rapture and the glorious return of Jesus to rule in the millennial kingdom. Let's finish. This was part one of the reason we study prophecies. In our next podcast will be part two, and we will look closely at the converging signs. That means the coming together of the signs that Jesus gave, a prophecy that Jesus gave on Mount Ali. And we will dig deep into their effects on you and me today. Yes, we're going to talk about those signs. And I'm going to show you how they're happening right in your face. And it's telling us we're in that season that's coming to the end of this world. Thanks for your time. Maranatha. Maranatha. That's a prophecy too. Jesus Christ is coming back again. And it's found in that word, Maranatha. Maranatha. Thank you for joining me. Have a good day.